Welcome to Spectral Chatter with your hosts, Nick West and Chris Thurman. Let's get to the show. <laughs> Hello, welcome to another episode of Spectral Chatter. I'm Chris. And I'm Nick. On this episode, we talk about the SLS camera use in the paranormal research. Uh, the info and specs of the Mobile Connect SLS XCAM system. Uh, these are built with a V1 Connect sensor and are run on an 8 inch Windows 10 1.44 gigahertz quad core tablet. The tablets are fully programmed with all the core Microsoft Connect programs and the and a patched version of the fast skeletal tracking software. <clears throat> a screen recording program is also included to save video and audio of everything that's on the screen. Storage is available via a micro SD card slot. The hand mount kit is quickly adapted to being a mini tripod for static use. The Kinect sensor is powered via 12 volt supply of 8 AA batteries jeez I'm gonna be going through batteries everything is portable there's a way around that there's a way charge. around that though yeah I mean you can use the rechargeable batteries but that'll take forever charging 8 AA's yeah I'll talk I'll actually talk about some of that too uh you got a 6 hour charge life on the sensor and up to two hour charge life on the tablet. Detection range is approximately six meters. Complete unit weight is 1.25 kilograms. Price varies with postage destination, but is approximately fourth the cost of other connect based units. I mean, we could do it ourselves, but I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it though. Because when I had it set up at the gym, it wasn't really getting the whole upstairs of the gym, really. Well, yeah, the Kinect cameras are have a limited range on their sensor. Uh, it's designed to be within a 10-foot area. Because it was meant for gaming. So that is one of the limitations with it. However, you can use IR boosters to help uh, capture more because the actual sensor itself will pick up farther away but the IR illuminator that comes with it the dot grid array doesn't go that far which means that also you're limited with your detection of skeletal structures I mean it works for small rooms we had it set up at the Skinner house and it worked decently except for it didn't record mm -hmm. Sean knocking me down and running out the door Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't have the screen capture program where I would have caught everything. That's what sucked. Yeah. The recording yeah. on it sucked, like, through the program on the laptop. It, I think, was an hour, if even. And we had it running for, what, two or three hours on the laptop. Yeah. And then we yeah. went outside for a break. And that's when the shenanigans happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's mobile, and it's easy to record with the evidence, but the night vision's decent, but you're going to need boosters. Maybe. I don't know. I guess we haven't actually tested Yeah, you'll definitely need boosters. I've tested it at my own house here. Um, if you, Like I said, it's meant for within 10 feet range. So if you want anything past that to at least see, you're not going to be able to get the skeletal structure uh, light up. You know, all those little st green stick figures like you see in all the other ones past the 10 foot range. But with the boosters, you could at least record objects moving in the background and using it as a camera at that point. Now, what I was going to mention about the batteries, you know, how you said it needs eight AAA and stuff like that. You could actually buy a battery bank that actually supports multiple plugins, which would actually accommodate for this. And it's a quick, simple setup. Saves you a lot of money. It'll save you a lot of money in the long run. And it's more reliable that way. In fact, there's uh, the one that I see most people using is like a. It's actually meant for powering laptops for like an hour or two or recharging them. And since you're using a mobile tablet, which draws significantly less power than a laptop, plus the camera, which also needs power, uh, you're not going to need it that big old battery bank is going to supply that thing for hours and hours. You'll probably actually run out of room on their mobile device, that tablet, uh, the memory card for it, before you will run out of power for it on a normal recording night. Yeah, that is actually true. I forgot about those power banks. But yeah. some memory cards are like a couple gigs. I mean, that's not much, but well, the memory cards you can get up to 128 gigabytes. So that's, but it's still these battery banks. You can get a massive one. It'll add to the weight, but it, it actually, you can actually set it up so that your Kinect sensor can rest on that and have a nice steady surface for it to rest on instead of that slim bezel base that it has. Also depends on which Kinect sensor you use. Most of them that they have for sale are the old 360 ones because of the software. Uh, design. There are ones with the new Windows 10, as it's called, or uh, yeah, the Windows 10 uh, uh, Connect Bar, and there is there is a difference between the two. But for the most part, you uh, they function exactly the same. The only main difference is is that the Windows 10 has a more optimal thin uh, array which is used for more precise movement capture but there is a downside with that is that the software limitation is not as flexible as it was with the, um, the 360 so you're not able to capture the screens exactly like you see in uh, like Ghost Adventures or um, if you watch the Haunted Side or I think even Ghost Hunters used the SLS for a little while where you had the two screens. You can see, uh, you know, you can see exactly what they're recording plus another window where it's showing the uh, the software rendering this, uh, the re this, excuse me, the software rendering the scene so that it can capture the body movement. So you had the green stick figure. And 
I don't remember what the there was an issue with the Windows 10, but I don't think it'll allow you to capture both. You can only capture one screen or the other. It's and also that a lot of people stopped writing programs for it for the paranormal after the 360. That's what I always didn't understand with the Ghost Adventures. They could have like on the little tablet screen, it was bright as hell and looked crystal clear. But when we did it, it looked like crap. But they also had people with night vision cameras behind them with IR boosters and lights and stuff, so that helped mm -hmm. too. Yeah, well, even if without that, uh, one of the YouTubers I watch is called The Haunted Side. They go in without an IR boosters. They'll just use the SLS camera. And it has a good, clear screen but they also have a specific software that's ran uh, that's running it, uh, just like what you would find um, in these put together kits. He, uh, the guy who, uh, the one of the lead investigators, he actually just rigged it up himself. Got a small uh, Windows tablet, uh, got the battery bank, and he bought a 360 Connect camera or Connect uh, bar, and. Uh, he got this. He put the software on himself with a screen recorder, and uh, and it's basically it's a, pretty much exactly the same as you get elsewhere. There are like paranormal forums where people who are good with programming actually created that little software, and it's free to use. So that's the whole thing about it. Is that if you're just going with your into it by yourself and you're using with the standard stuff like we were, which was the stuff you get from Microsoft to try to record it, it's not the exact same. The software needs a little tuning, and this is some of the things I don't like about uh, using this SLS uh, camera setup. Uh, you want to start doing a, a pros? Uh, I know you're more you actually like it because you think it's a nice, cool piece of technology. You want to do some pro size that to it because I do have a lot of negatives to go with it to kind of contrast it though so. yeah I like it because it's mobile like mobile you can use it and I mean it's a little easier to see like if anything does pop up like stick figured or whatever like I don't know they used it a lot more to where they could film like the whole like setup with the images popping up on the screen with the stick figure near Nick or Aaron. Like, it helped with that. And it had a bigger screen than, like, the little handy cam that I have. It's not night vision capable, so I'm going to be walking around in the dark pretty much and can't see what I'm doing. So, I actually like the SLS camera. But some of the pricings on it are kind of expensive. I mean... If I wanted to, I could buy, like, the tablet and everything myself and do it all, which probably wouldn't be that hard, really. No. No. I mean, it, it's a nice little piece of tech that I want to try out, at least. I did have a Kinect sensor, and then I got rid of all of them because I didn't ever do anything with them. <laughs> And now I'm kind of wanting to try that out since 
the whole COVID crap happen. I have downtime. I can actually do something kind of techy. <laughs> yeah. Less than yeah. you. You're more of the tech side and then <laughs> that on my end. <clears throat> What's some of the cons? Yeah. I know the stick figure tracking system has its ups and downs. You're having a hard time doing that. <laughs> well, uh, this is one of the things about it. All right. Now, I know I said I was going to mention the cons, but I'm going to point out a couple things about this camera. Um, all right. That a lot of things that a lot of people actually don't see on here. The standard th Xbox 360 Connect camera has a uh, multi-array microphone which is used to isolate foreground noises versus background noises. This is, was used in the Kinect system for doing... Uh, so it could isolate the background noise while taking your input commands because it was voice activated. Kind of like how, you know, we have it now with the Xbox where you can go Xbox record this. Similar things could happen inside of games that will allow you to do that as well. Uh one of the main things about it, which is the main selling point, which is why you have three different array of cameras, is that there is a depth sensor in there. And this is actually running off of its own separate processor. This depth sensor is actually phenomenal. And so much so that uh, there are Swedish uh, uh, architect, uh, not architects, uh, uh, now, people who explore caves and uh, uh, they're doing other things with nature and stuff like that to learn about the planet, they actually took a, a Kinect sensor and modified the program that you or wrote their own program uh, by downloading the basic one that you get from Microsoft and using it in a special way that they can actually map a cave by sticking just the Kinect sensor down there. And when you can use a which you can get them now for around 25 to $80, just the Kinect sensor alone. But when you can actually use that piece of technology with a little bit of coding and map an entire cave system really well, you know, up to a certain point, obviously, but uh, that's just as good as those five to $10,000 uh, systems that they're selling for these people. You know, it actually there is a lot of great technology inside this, but the main thing that I do have problem with is the software support. Now, the, so, uh, the software that you get from Microsoft is designed to be for developmental uh, stuff. Uh, you know, so that people can write programmings for it to see how it works, and you know. Uh, adjust it so that they can design games, software, or whatever for it. And the that's the main issue is that Microsoft sent out just a basic sort of layout for it, and let and try and then let the developer for either games uh, or security or even for the paranormal try to figure out on their own how to actually make it work to their liking so the stick figure uh, the body motion tracker on it 
which attracts the bodies and try to line everything up. It's actually trying, the basic software that comes with it is literally just that. It is a basic design to try to map out a human figure. Uh, if you ever played with the Xbox Connect sensor in games, after every time you finished a game or start up a new game, they had you assume a pose. And it was a specific pose. This way the uh, their software could uh, reliably map your body. And instead of having to rely on the sensors itself to guesstimate and everything else like that, if this is a person or if this isn't a person, uh, they had to they had you assume a, a pose look for that pose and then be able to identify person one person two easily all right but the problem when you use this with like in a paranormal sense here where you have no uh, where it's just trying to make it's scanning all the objects and everything else and looking for influxes that would make it seem like a person. Now, one problem with that is that you can get uh, wall designs. Um, if you ever have speckled walls or stuff like that, where some areas where it's a lot thicker than others, that Connect sensor will identify that as a person 100% of the time if it has a certain pattern. Here in my own room here, uh, if I shine that connect sensor in a certain area of my room, 100% of the time, it's going to point out a person there. And that is because it's trying to... There are shapes in my room that is a little bit bigger than others, and it has a little bit of depth or whatnot. And it's identifying these certain objects as this is a head. Oh, that... If that's a head, then these must be hands. If those are hands, these must be the feet, or it'll cut off there. And it says it can't identify the foot, uh, the feet or legs. And I can reliably get the same sort of stick figure to show up every single time in my room. If I cover up one of those objects, it disappears. But if I take a uh, uncover it, it'll reappear. So. And this is one of the things that I don't like about the uh, using in the paranormal, is that we don't have a refined enough solution um, and understanding of the how the depth sensor works, the uh, the grid array works on it to be able to correctly identify paranormal objects. Uh, as much as I like some of our uh, investigators that we've had uh, when we did like uh, uh, summits and stuff like that, Chris. Uh, one of them is uh, the guys who run the Ashmore Estates. He was sitting up at a booth somewhere and he had his SLS camera pointing at and just pointing in front of him so everyone could see the technology and stuff like that. But down below, he had this little a curtain on a table and it was mapping out a body obviously it's going to be a small figure and they a lot of times they were assuming it was a child but at the same time if you actually looked at it the way the little curtain flowed 
you could see like a little bubble for a head and then where I was mapping the hands there was another crease in the curtain so it was just because he was using the basic software and nothing modified to be a little bit more fine-tuned to help with uh, finding out about you know false positives and stuff like that he was thinking that there was a child spirit there and as the curtain moved the image would go away or come back and you know at the time he was thinking it was a child and everything else like that he then after a while uh, reviewing and talking with other people realized that you know this was probably a false positive well not many people are willing to take a second or third look and then take also opinions from other people uh, and that's one of the problems that we have in some of the areas of paranormal that no one's willing to take you know opinion of someone else and taking a look from a third person's point of view and see if could that be a person could that be just an object or you know could that be a ghost or a spirit and it's the and that's one main reasons why these connect sensors were going off or these uh, SLS camera setups were actually doing good in sales and everyone was buying them is because oh look you could point this into a room all right at this very moment there are no bodies and then suddenly there's a body and then it just disappears these sensors are able to track motion and movement and this is the main reason why I do not like it is that if the spirit just suddenly appears there and then let's just say it's in the middle of the room where there's plenty of space on both sides for that sensor to track when it disappears how come it's a sudden vanish and not a gradual oh he's moving this way and then it's gone it's always a sudden appearance or sudden disappearance and this is where the false positives come into play now could it possibly be that a spirit's trying to manifest there and it's only able to form just a small parts of its body at that time quite possibly but because we have so many false positives like if you throw enough dust or uh, dust particles in the air near a connect sensor you will get multiple bodies showing up because how it's the IR light is refracting off of the dust particles it will say oh look you have 20 people here or you'll have three people here and it's just the sensor trying to with the basic programming trying to make sense of what's in there it's the same way how we see things with our eyes and then you have some people say look at a wall and see you know a face in the wall other people will not see that face it's our minds trying to make sense of what we're looking at and just like our minds the connect sensor is trying to well connect sensor is designed to try to find patterns that form a human body our minds are always trying to find a face whether that's an animal face a human face whatever and that's for humans that's survival instinct that's just how we're programmed for this sensor is designed specifically to look and map out a body for whatever purpose 
and when they were designing this for games, they had a lot of problems with false positives, such as a lamp, you know, with the shape of a hu that had like a humanoid shape or something like that, would come up as a tracking, and it'll say player three has entered the game when there's only two people there, and then they would take a look at the sensor itself, and they'll have the overlay over top of the uh, the green stick figure over top of the uh, VGA sensor. So you'll have an actual picture of who's there, and then you'll see a stick figure, and it will show with that lamp as being a you know a third person. It's just light shadow with the overlay, and even though it's IR, shadows do appear in IR light, not as prominent as it would in regular light, but it still does appear, and that could throw the sensor off a little bit. Uh, that is my main problem with it, like. But like I said at the beginning, it has a great hardware built into it and had great potential. It just lacked support behind it. And this is why it inevitably got discontinued from Microsoft, even after they built the Windows 10 version or the Windows version of the Xbox sensor, or the Kinect sensor. And, you know, that one's even better processing, but the reason why they don't use that one as much as you'll always see like the 360 one is because the Windows one had uh, the software gave them a little bit more limitation as to what they could do and it wasn't it wasn't like it was with the 360 like you couldn't get like the dual screens like you'll see that little grayish bluish pinkish mesh that keeps changing color the Uso the that's actually the field death sensor uh, view with the uh, uh, motion tracker inside of it so you know, that's the screen that you typically see the green stick figures are popping up on and then you'll have the VGA sensor over over in a corner and with the 361 you could actually switch between those two points of views so you could actually make the VGA sensor bigger, and then the uh, so that you see in uh, that you can see in black and white through the IR spectrum, and then they will have the stick figures in the lower corner. I believe with the Windows one, it actually locked that so that you couldn't do that, or so that it wouldn't you couldn't switch between the two camera points of view. You could only view either one or the other, but you could or. Uh, no, yeah, you could only view a small window of the Kinect sensor uh, with the depth sensor and stuff like that. And then you would see the uh, the VGA uh, infrared sensor, or not sensor, uh, camera version, uh, view. And that's why a lot of people still went with the 360 version because of the software for that allows you to switch between the two and then you can make one bigger and the other one smaller or get rid of it altogether I'd probably use it as the like just night vision like SLS and try to hope that I could get it to where the stick figure shit wouldn't come up like I like the night vision setup oh, yeah, on I mean you could cause the big screen you can yeah, walk around yeah. and actually do the whole room in night vision Instead of having a little handy cam that's got a screen two by two, and you're trying to walk and look at that, 
as opposed to having that. Granted, it's a lot worse having a giant screen with a bright light on it, walking around in pitch blackness. Yeah. Because I did that a gym with the cameras. I'd start shutting the uh, lens after a while, the view screen, or turning it around to where it wasn't bright in my face. Because the Sony Handycam, if you shut it, the viewfinder, it shuts off. So I just tilt it down or turn it around. So it's mm-hmm. not really bright. <clears throat> well, I mean, and you could do that with the, uh, the SLS camera setup. Um, I believe... Uh, I Actually, I don't know the software that comes with the SLS. I know the generic one, the generic program that you can get from Microsoft allows you to switch and enlarge which one you want to view for. Uh, now, if you did go with uh, uh, the VGA, the uh, night vision camera side of it, you still see the dots on the screen. But, you know what, you can use that just like you would for a dot grid array. Like uh, most people, like some of them will do so that they can see movement through the grid array to track like a spirit. So that would be, I mean, you get that built in, so that's handy. Uh, uh, now, even with that bright screen, it's still going to be bright. But you could, uh, with that little tablet, you could tone down the brightness a little bit. Uh, even with my uh, old uh, night vision camera, it's, it's a Sony Handycam, it's a DSC something. Uh, I mean, I could f- uh, use the viewfinder, the flip out viewfinder, or the uh, built in one. The old-fashioned one. Uh, even even when I had the flip out, uh, used the flip out screen, it's still bright, and that ruins your what you can see. And I'm sure, as you experienced, you know, that's uh, not always a pleasant thing when you're trying to look at that, and you're trying to look around the room, and then as your eyes trying to focus, you see movement, which may or may not have been there. Yeah, that that's the only bad part about doing that your eyes get used to looking at the screen then you look away and try to focus on something in the room and it's a hard time trying to focus because your eyes are still used to the bright light but I mean yeah you can dim the screen and everything which would help I know JP had a set of night vision goggles (laughs) but that that's a little extreme uh, what he had was something that you can get from Walmart for 50 bucks. So, which was, I mean, that's great if you wanted to take a look around some things. I mean, it worked out pretty good, but there was no way to record with it. You could take a picture, but there was no way to actually record a segment. I know the Call of Duty, I think, one of the games, they had the night vision set you could get, and it had a function where you could record like a short clip or whatever and I was like huh I'm not spending like $300 on the game just so I can get the night vision headset I also thought about looking into the um, trail cams seeing if those would work like set them up as like Uh, a static cam uh, they won't work as a static cam Uh, I do have a trail cam uh, you could set it up, most of them, to conserve battery. 
is that they will record uh, once it detects motion and it usually has like a little pre-buffer so they'll keep some of the uh, like a couple seconds before the motion is detected record that and then start recording and then and it'll go for a certain duration uh, they're not bad if you're in the area where there's not a lot of activity but you know that sometimes things do move uh, you can set it up just as like a little you know as like a little motion activated camera uh, I, the one I got here uh, is great for that but again it's only meant for uh, short distances so we had about when we set it up in the gym at, uh, it only went out about five feet yeah and the sensor for it we actually I actually placed it up about eight feet in the air so it would get a nice wide view well the motion action activation sensor stood about captured everything about six feet and higher up to you know parallel with itself so while it captured me walking around because uh, I am over six feet tall and I was within I think eight feet of the camera it captured me walking around a few times but for the most part of that night it didn't capture a single thing <laughs> So, there is some give and take with that. If you are, uh, with those cameras, if you are getting in a room and you can place it about, you know, mid-level, chest level for most people, you'll probably capture some stuff in a small room. And, you know, it never hurts to have extra cameras. That's, yeah, that's the thing, though. With certain cameras... Like, some of them work. I've been trying to figure out how to turn a couple of mine into night vision cameras. But the one uh, Handycam, I think either the screen on the view screen is broke or something. But it records everything. And you can see it on the screen. But when I transferred it mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. the laptop... Like, it's not showing up anything. I have audio, but it won't show video for some reason. On when you uh, download the audio, when you download the files? Yeah, when I downloaded the whole, like, video file from uh, the Vivitar Handycam that I got for Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's been a while, so it's probably trashed by now. But yeah, I tried, when we went to the gym for Oliver's uh, last birthday, it had video and audio but on the screen, but once I uploaded it to the laptop and everything, trying to view it, it had nothing. Like, it had audio, but no video. It was uh, the weird lines and stuff through it. Uh... That sounds like a memory card corruption, actually. Ah, oh, dang it, that sucks. Uh, because if it if it's uh, showing up on the viewfinder, that means that the sensor, the actual recording sensor, is uh, is capturing image. So either the memory card itself is corrupted, 
or the something with the firmware on it, it got corrupted. So it's no longer recording properly. Now, I will say that if anyone's trying to take like a Handycam or uh, like your Vivitar one, uh, you know, a cheap camera and trying to turn it into a night vision one, there's a huge problem with that and that you have to remove what's called an IR filter. And the main problem with that is your camera is set to, it's calibrated to have focus at a focal point, uh, have a focus on something X amount of distance away. That little IR filter is a, usually a piece of glass. Sometimes it's plastic, but it's mostly glass. And when you remove that, your camera is no longer calibrated for that. So either everything will be fuzzy until you zoom in a little bit, in which case you're losing field of view. So you have to keep a tight focus on something, which so for most cases, that's not good. Now, there are some cameras that make it really easy uh, to remove that glass. And because the glass is so thin, you won't really, outside of a camera repair shop, in, even then, it's hit and miss. To find a piece of glass or something that thin to put back over top of that so it removes the IR filter, the coated, uh, IR, uh, the coated uh, piece of glass removes all the IR filter, the uh, infrared from your camera. So it's really difficult to get it and actually get it to work right. I've experimented, I have an old Kodak uh, EasyShare camera. Uh, at the time, it was top notch when I bought it uh, at a 3.1 megapixel camera. All right, considering that most phones, uh, the front facing one, camera on your phone is at least a five you know then this camera is almost 20 years old <laughs> so you see the you can see the problem here with it it uh, but when I removed the lens off of it and this one was a lot thicker than normal so I could actually probably get a piece of glass cut or cut it myself really that uh, in that little square shape and put it in there but the problem is, though, if I don't zoom in just a little bit, everything is completely out of focus. But it does take full-spectrum uh, pictures, which is always nice. Uh, to be quite honest, for mo in most cases, it's a lot easier to go buy uh, a CMOS camera. Uh, those are not the DSL cameras, the ones that are you know already there when you point and shoot. Uh, these are the ones that you had to buy a camera attachment lens for because those cameras by default don't have an IR filter on top of that uh, CMOS lens and I really misspoke when I said the CMOS cameras because they all have CMOS on them the CMOS is your uh, your as your recording sensor uh, but the D uh, DLS uh cameras that you know have the detachable lenses and stuff like that those lenses have the filter built into the lens they have a IR uh, the filter uh, IR coating on them 
uh, you can actually buy a filter uh, a lens without that IR coating on it because some shots require uh, certain things and you can get then get an IR heavy IR filter if you wanted to record something like uh, how some of these people take uh, infrared or full uh, yeah infrared pictures and then you they play with the color gamut and stuff like that and they turn them into these like you know instead of a big green beautiful park it is like something that looks like it's off of planet venus or something like that just the color is completely different it's actually quite awesome but if you get one of those cameras you can actually you can do that with as long as it's not like the point and shoot cameras like you know you'll typically find it has to be one with a detachable uh lens so you can see the actual exposed filter uh, sensor on there. Those are the ones you would need to actually get to that. It would be the easiest solution anymore. Because uh, sadly, night vision cameras have not been popular since mid 2000. I think it was like 2005 or so, where a lot of these companies like Sony, uh, Panasonic, uh, Kodak. Uh, Nikon, or not Nikon, uh, all these other popular camera companies, they, uh, when they started making video recording cameras, they stopped putting an IR sensor on there. I mean, it was a, at the time, it was a great selling gimmick, and it was only available on the high-end $700 ca uh, recording cameras. Now they've gotten rid of it just because it's not as popular. Yeah. I mean, you can find some still online, but they're not probably the Oh, yeah, of course. Camera. There are. Uh, I'll actually send you a link to one that actually does. That uh, is. So, while some of them do not uh, have the IR sensor, or not, sorry, IR sensors, but the IR uh, projector on it, that little IR beam on there so that you can do night vision. There are still a lot of cameras that are IR sensitive so that you can use booster lights uh, and record in the dark with them without having to use a uh, switching to a different mode. You just set it on, put it on auto, which is your standard one, and when you cut off all the lights, put the IR booster up and it will record just fine. I'll send you a link to one, but there's still not those cameras are still not the cheap ones they're still around five hundred six hundred dollars and they're relatively new still i know uh, zach yeah, was right. selling some cameras because he's laid off right now uh from uh what was it afterlife i know he's yeah. got yeah a bunch of his cameras on sale like is he using the uh, big old production ones, though, they selling, or is it just the regular cameras? I think it's the big ones. i got to find it. But, yeah, it's the I mean, good ones. It's not the little... Yeah, when you get into, like, the, uh, like the mid-tier production cameras, they have detachable lenses on it. So again, it's just like those uh, non-DSL uh, DSLR cameras, where you know it's just a point and shoot. 
like most like your handy cams are for video cameras like you uh you got your point and shoot cam uh, cameras for both photography and videography those ones typically kind of suck for paranormal because they don't have they usually have an ir filter over top of when you get into higher end ones uh like any other ones that you know you can put a different uh, lens on top of it especially uh and this goes for both uh photography and videography the sensor itself does not have a filter over in front of it so you can buy uh, lenses that have no IR fil uh, no IR coating on filter coating on top of it and use it for night vision or you can get it with and or some of them will have a certain spectrum of IR so you won't get the uh, you know anything over 900 uh, nanometers in the wave format but you can still use like an 850 uh, IR sensor IR light which is near invisible to human uh, eyes. Uh, so when you're looking at the boosters, you don't going to see just like a whole bunch of red grid array or red dots. At 850, it's nearly invisible, so you won't be able to see that. Which is always great if you want to do something like that. And uh, just kind of stay kind of on topic with the SLS camera. Uh, the SLS camera can actually accept 900. I think uh, my one that I have was a 925 nanometer uh, wave format IR light and it was still able to see that so it has a complete IR filter removal on its IR camera which is I mean great that means you can use the cheap uh, you can buy either a cheap IR booster or you can go with the more expensive one which is the uh, Anywhere from the 550 uh, nanometer wave format length, which is going to be like any of the light uh, IR booster lights where you can see the red dot, uh, the red you'll see red lights coming from it. Those are going to be in the anywhere from 650 to 780 uh, range. Then when you start getting to 800 to 900 range, those lights become either near invisible. Uh, so you don't see the red dots on them or they're just barely visible and you know unfortunately you can't use those little boosters for like with your cell phones because they have all your all cell phones have a filter over top of them it's just coated on the exterior lens and to get rid of that uh, filter coating is a pain I've tried it with a few uh, junk cameras tried to use an acid bath to remove that film because uh, if you do a light acid bath you could remove the film without scratching the glass but if you use too strong of one you're going to put micro etches on those glass on that glass and you're basically going to ruin that piece of glass so it really makes it at that if you without uh, doing it and having a lot of time to perfect it you can potentially just ruin a whole bunch of uh, lenses and stuff like that and waste your time and money because if it has those micro etches on it, when you shine a light at it, it's going to have a whole bunch of refractions and you're basically kind of like looking at the, uh, seeing those little solar flares, uh, or sorry, lens flares is what they're called. Uh, like when you shine a camera at the sun, you always see those movies where they have the lens flares. 
those lens flares are actually caused by imperfections in the glass. If the glass is actually true um, all the way through, uh, even if you point your camera at the sun, you're not going to get those lens flares, which is you know, a fun little bit of tidbit. It sucks because I want to actually get a decent night vision camera, but I kind of want a high-end <laughs> camera too, which sucks. Uh, like I said, I'll, sit, uh, I'll send you a, a link to one, uh, which is, I mean, it's still $400, uh, it's like in the $500 one, but it does accept IR booster light. It doesn't have a, uh, it doesn't have an IR light emitter coming off of it by default, but you're able to get one. Uh, you're able to still record with it. I mean, SLS has good points and bad. You just gotta find the happy medium, pretty much. And just pray it doesn't give you crappy hits on the yeah. stick yeah. figure portion of it. Which, I'm betting nine times out of ten on Ghost Adventures, it was them, maybe. I don't know. They seem... I don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched any of the shows well, since. Well, <laughs> well like, I, uh, like I said, the, ca the hardware behind the camera system is solid. Alright? The problem that we have is that the software to go with it, alright, which is what makes it easier for everyone to use, does not actually work. Uh, with it, uh, I mean it works, but you have to do some. You have to put in so much work in order to just to get it to go right, to, uh, not to go right, but to get it to function at a halfway decent thing, uh, functionality, and which is what you don't get out of the bat. Now the ones that uh, some people have modified for uh, paranormal uh, paranormal investigations, that software has removed some of the false positives but it's still it's still very hard for uh, to get rid of all the false positives with this technology as it stands currently now if you go into some very there are camera systems that are able to track uh, physical op, physical people um, like our military uses a very similar technology. In fact, our military uses technology so well that it could actually map a person uh, wearing, you know, how you can see people wearing camouflage, uh, shrubbery, and stuff like that. They actually have the technology to map a per to be able to detect whether this is a person based upon the foliages that are applied to them versus a tree or something like that. So if you, you know, so it is in the realm of possibility that somewhere down the line we could have some of this technology, but because anything that mil our military gets usually will trickle down to the consumer in about five to ten year time span. So, well, probably not something like the F one, but some of it will come into, but some of it will trickle down into a consumer based one, 
where we could get better tracking, a much better tracking system based upon an algorithm. And that algorithm is what will help us out tremendously in the paranormal. As it stands right now, though, we're kind of stuck with what we have. But, you know, in the future, uh, you know, in the future, we could eventually get something like that. And I'm really hoping we can, because this would make, you know, it'll make things a lot easier for, you know, uh, for people in security and also in the paranormal field. Yeah, it'll help considerably. Give us a better approach. Actually, better images. I mean, I just want to tinker with it. See what it's like. When I had it on the laptop and doing it with, like, just aiming at the room with being at home, it worked perfect. Even during the day, it was pretty cool looking at like the night vision aspect of it on the mm -hmm. viewfinder on the screen it looked pretty cool but it just sucked because it didn't do what I wanted it to at the gym which understandable I didn't have IR boosters or anything mm -hmm. I mean that's pretty much all I have for the SLS camera. Yeah, uh, same with me. Yeah, like I said, it's solid hardware-wise. Yeah, but until someone actually spent, devotes a lot of time and energy into uh, to making some of that, and into removing the false positives and stuff like that, we're kind of stuck in, all right, we could use this, to possibly try to find alright it's mapping something so we can sit down have a little uh, you know EVP session or something like that but we can't use it as reliable uh, reliable evidence we can use it in conjunction with it such as alright we saw we saw a, it mapped a figure here and we had an event also in the same area. All right. So there is a possibility that, yes, we captured a spirit here and, you know, everything else. So it can always help. There's, I mean, there's nothing saying that can't help because it is using technology. It is using a kind of like a scientific approach, using algorithms, stuff like that. It's yes it is a bit flawed so it can't be purely uh, like a scientific but it can help provide supportive evidence when you have other things happening such as like uh, people having personal experiences in the area but you know you don't capture anything on a K2 meter uh, a millimeter no EVPs but personal experience in the same area that someone else that you captured that uh, that you you know mapped a figure. Uh, one thing that I wish people would do when they use those things, though, is that don't exactly tell them that there's a figure mapped. 
uh, wait a little bit and see if you get a personal experience. The reason being is that sometimes personal experiences are suggestive. You know, you say, oh, I'm mapping something in the room. Well, sometimes our minds will race and try to make sense of what could it be and then, you know, get a personal experience, but that's not a true one. It's just one that was made up because of suggestive material. Uh, interesting enough, there was, a, there was actually a study about uh, stuff like that. Uh, which is subject for another day, but where if you suggest something to a person sometime and at certain situations, especially when it's uh, dark or uh, basically not a normal situation for that person where their mind w would start to race a little bit more, they can start manifesting their own uh, delusions from it. And I hate to, it, you know, hate to say that uh, the word delusions in the paranormal field but it's the best way to sum up what it is it's a delusion because based upon suggestion like you could we could have two different people down in the basement of the gym and you could see something on the camera and be like do you feel something do you feel that you could, I see like a mist on your right side or left side and you'd be like yeah I can feel mm -hmm. something going on but yeah, oh my god I got goosebumps now well yeah like <laughs> Ghost Adventures does that a lot where they're like oh my god there's something right next to you and then they're like yeah I can mm -hmm. feel it and it's like okay how did you not feel it five seconds before he said that and it's on the camera showing a stick figure humping your leg like how <laughs> how'd you not feel that yeah uh, and that's the whole thing and like I said it's a delusion it's based upon a suggestion uh, and this is also why a, a lot of good uh, investigators you'll have a couple people know some of the histories and some of the hotspots and some of the information about the hotspot but they don't relay to all the parties until midway through the investigation and there's a good reason why, because if you send someone else who doesn't know, let's just say, uh, in an area, there's always been, you know, someone felt like they always get their like shirt tugged, and standing in this area, all right. And throwing back into the topic, you get your SLS camera in there, you're mapping someone, you know, that's probably around three foot, four foot tall near another person and then they suddenly feel that they're getting their shirt pulled alright if they don't know that that is something that happens there often and they're getting that experience then you can actually rule it out as a you know a positive personal experience but then you get some of these people who uh, can manifest suggestions in their own mind saying alright down here we've had you know people being their shirt pulled and everything else like that every now and then completely calm quiet and then they'll start jumping it's like oh something touched my shirt or something pulled my shirt uh, and then you're getting a false you know, positive you know, for and unfortunately uh, ghost adventures do that a lot yeah that'll happen a lot where you get that 
like someone will be saying, oh, something pulled my shirt, and then you're getting a false positive of something is in or around you just because someone else told them, oh, this is a hot spot for like shirt pulls and everything else, and then you're just getting false positives. And you don't even know which one's actually accurate unless it happens to said investigator other than, like, the person next to you. Uh, this is why I like going into a location. Not meant, uh, like, when we did the Skinner house, we mentioned things that could happen in that building, but we never mentioned where they happened. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of things until. Uh, about midway through when you guys were talking about some of the stuff you experienced then we confirmed that you know sometimes that's the area that they said that mostly have that experience at uh, and you know I would love to I would love personally not to know a lot of the stuff but I would also at the same time want to have it documented somewhere that yeah uh, in this location of an area you know X amount of things happen um, and fortunately, when you have a small group, it's almost impossible to have that happen. So, like with us, we have a group of four to five people, depending on how many we can get to go show up with us. Uh, and, you know, when we go in there and, you know, we're all hearing the same story from the owner or something like that, it's kind of hard to isolate people. Uh, so that, and if you watch like uh, when ghost hunters were doing it, like the main three investigators would hear the hotspot locations and everything else like that, they would go then go send people who did not were not part of it over into those areas first to see if they can get a reaction. And again, just like with these SLS cameras, you know, the person who's operating it should not know about the hotspot locations and that, you know, figures were shown here or stuff like that. This way, if something's mapped, they can notate it down. And then after a little bit, if that figure's still there, you can go, hey, you know, hey, Chris, right behind you, there's a figure that's been mapped for about a good solid two minute now. So why don't we focus uh, like an EVP session over there or something? Yeah. Or if something should happen, you know, it's like, you know, we go back it up and say, yeah, I've been mapping a, a figure over there with this SLS camera uh, for a little bit now. It's always good to uh, give it some time instead of going, oh, there's a figure. Oh, it, now it's disappeared. Oh, it's back again. Now it's gone. Uh, one of the guys I watch on YouTube, uh, they're phenomenal investigators. I'm not going to doubt that. But when they bring out the SLS camera, they go and they go, I consider it kind of like uh, uh, full ghost adventures on it. All right. Where every little blip on that SLS camera, they're getting extremely excited about. All right. But, and I wish they would take a step back just for a few moments. Matt, uh, see, it's like, okay, we got something on here. And just kind of wait and see. If it suddenly disappears, more than likely it's an artifact uh, coming up via the software. Just trying to find, you know, like I said, it's trying to find a person. 
you know, it's trying to make sense of a person out of here. It, you know, because that's its whole purpose. Like, all right, you have me on. That must mean there's a person in here. So I must find a, something that resembles a person in an, with this algorithm. And, you know, if it's there and then disappears, then it's not really a person or a spirit. But if it's there and it hangs out for a minute or two, more then you can start going in the lines of, yeah, that could be a spirit trying to manifest. You know, and there's nothing to say that, you know, if you saw a blip, you can't, like, you know, do, like, a quick EVP session or, uh, you know, start talking to it, uh, start talking to a spirit, because sometimes those can, that little blip could be something, and the software, you know, mucked up something, and now it's gone away, but the spirit could still be there, so never hurts to try it, but what some of these guys do is they, like I said, they go full ghost adventures, like, oh my god, did you say that? Did you say that? You know, it's when you go into those uh, great outrageous things, that's where I lose, it really makes me just want to facepalm, because it's not benefiting anything if you over-exaggerate, get overexcited about a small blip or something that's there for 30 seconds and then gone. Especially if you are moving with the camera, with the SLS camera. Like, if you hold it still and, you know, roughly keep it in the same pan and it stays there, it could possibly, yeah, you could say it's a spirit, but if you slight moving or walking around the room a little bit and you see it there and then it disappears, well, could have been a spirit, could not have been. You didn't give the camera long enough, or you didn't give the uh, SLS camera long enough time to make sense of it. Yeah, it was trying to track something, like dust or an image across the room that it was picking up, and then you moved. Yeah, I can see where. Yeah, yeah. There's pros and like that's a heavily, heavily, heavily bad con on that one. But if we, if you tinker with the programming and everything, like I was at one point going through all the programs and like trying to do stuff and then after a while I'm like I don't even know what the hell I'm doing this is like a huge headache but it was fun trying to figure it out <laughs> all the programs and stuff but my laptop started lagging out and I needed some extra space I also have yeah, to yeah. get another extra external hard drive that's at least a couple terabytes so I can put everything on it for the SLS and just yeah, start yeah. tinkering with it again. Yeah, I mean, same here. Um, I have my... I still have my Connect. Uh, I still got that. I'm kind of like one of those hoarders. I'm not... haven't used it since the last time we used one. Uh, but I still got it. Uh, I'm going to probably get like a tablet or something eventually. And get a memory card just dedicated for it so it records directly to that and you know I love to get back into it try messing around with it again I again I do have a lot of cons with it but at the same time I do recognize that it is a solid piece of hardware and if we can you know it's going to take some tinkering to get it so that we can rule out some a lot of false positives and still get uh, the desired results we want 
Yeah. I mean, once we so. figure it out and get it fine-tuned, that'll be nice. That'll be another helpful oh, yeah. piece of oh, gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in terms of paranormal, the more gear we can get, you know, the better. Uh, I've, I'll talk to you a little bit later about some of the other stuff I've been looking at uh, uh, for our next investigation that we go to whenever you know all this uh, stuff sus uh, uh, subsides and we're able to go out go do some stuff. Yeah, no, this the whole lockdown crap kind of took crap on our plans on getting out to yep. Alaska. Yep. That after that happened, I'm like, great. Hey. Yay, 2020. <laughs> hey, but the good thing about a well-known, established uh, haunted location like Villisca or uh, uh, Ashmore States or other uh, famous places that you can go and visit, it's always going—it's going to be there for a good long time. So, you know, bummed that we can't go when we plan when we were trying to go this year, but. You know what? Things happen. We always trudge through it. There's a, uh, this gives us more time to get more equipment, to do some more research, try uh, come up with some new techniques. Um, there is something I want to try at Villisca, since it is such a active spot. Uh, I saw someone else do it, and then, of course, you know, as soon, soon as I saw someone else do it, for some reason, everyone else started seeing it too. too. <laughs> always happens with me. Uh, especially since it was an older video where I saw it at and that gave me an idea for to modify it and then suddenly some of these popular YouTubers that I uh, watch that do paranormal stuff they started doing it almost exactly how I planned it I was like okay you guys gotta stop getting your psyches out and steal my ideas now but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I have some, ideas, have some for, ideas for uh, uh, some new techniques some new and stuff techniques we can do stuff out, do that. out and, that and you know, you know when we try it out a few different locations that maybe we can talk about here and you know to share our results and everything like that yeah yeah there's a couple uh, different techniques I want to try with the spirit box it's pretty much I someone is designated to listen to the spirit box and has headphones on and it's running through the recorder plus your headset and you're pretty much in the dark you're just listening to that and someone else is asking questions and the person mm -hmm. is relaying the answer from the spirit box to the investigator instead of you hearing the spirit box and then getting your own take on what's being said and I can't remember what they called it yeah. And you're, and the, one you're the one stealing some of my some ideas, of my so... Idea, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my idea is actually a step further, and it's like a full sen uh, full sensory deprivation uh, study. So, you have, uh, you have a blindfold on, so you cannot see. And when one sense is weakened... So you blindfold, usually another uh, one of your senses gets heightened because there's less input coming into your brain. So you hear, sense of smell, taste, hearing will increase. Well, we're going to go a step further. You're going to have a set of headphones in your ear 
with a like a spirit box and so it's going to be playing at a volume loud enough that you cannot hear what your surroundings now uh, you can take that a step further and put like uh, earmuffs on as well like uh, for loud noises like using construction or uh, using with firing weapons and stuff like that uh, to cover like the little earbuds so that you really cannot hear anything besides what's coming through the spirit box one person asks the question like you said and another person's relaying any answers given or any voices that come across the spirit box so you may not even like said uh, you may not get an answer from the question but you may get a voice saying something else so that is uh, something that I've wanted to do I thought of it and then apparently everyone thought of it at the same time because I started seeing it up on other YouTube videos from these uh, ghost adventurers and uh, you know paranormal investigators and apparently you must have seen them you must have came across the same thing too <laughs> yeah i was listening to astonishing legends podcast oh the the stanley method i think is it it's called because they were doing a couple of investigators were on the podcast talking about it oh it's called the estes method actually because, yeah, that's where they started it, not Stanley. I was thinking of the hotel. But, yeah, it's called the yeah, Estes yeah. Method, where they listen to the headphones, listen to it, and then relay. I actually have a set of the headphones for, like, when you go out to shoot and stuff. So we've got that mm -hmm. covered and a headset and uh, earbuds and everything. So we're good on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I have some. I'm gonna buy me a new uh, SB7, and I'm gonna do something a little different that most people haven't done. But uh, I'll talk to you later about that one. Maybe we can cover that some uh, different one. But uh, but yeah, this is uh, and uh, the version I would call it. It's a full sensory deprivation. All right. So you have no like you cannot see anything and you cannot hear anything but what's coming through there and 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 for those who actually break down what it, the actual meaning of that yeah i know you're not fully depriving all senses but you're providing your main senses which is your sense of hearing and sight and when you do that uh you know you know you can't hear anything around you and you cannot see so this should give you you know, it could potentially give you a better uh, sense of things. Uh, and from some of the other ones who've actually seen do something very similar to it, they actually got interesting uh, visual results on it. Uh, but, you know, we'll leave this off for another uh, topic. We can probably cover that on another subject of new techniques and stuff like that. But for the SLS camera, again, there are some pros and cons with it. It is a good piece of hardware to have. But, you know, in my opinion, you cannot rely on just that to provide as evidence. So. You'll have to have, like, some extra footage or cameras or audio 
to back it up. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad, bad little tech. But yeah, you'll have to have more. Alright, well, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, going on a little longer than what we planned, but you know what? We can always talk for hours about something. <laughs> we can. Since we haven't gotten the chance to hang out since this crap happened. Yeah. It sucks. I don't like it. I want to be able to go out <laughs> do stuff. One day. <laughs> yep. We'll get it sometime. Alright, but I think that'll do us for this episode. Uh, you know, hope everyone's staying safe and, uh, you know, keeping their sanity out there. Remember, this is a great time to come up with new techniques, do ideas, and planning out stuff for, you know, things for your next investigation. Until next time, guys, have a safe and happy hunting.